Welcome to episode 36 of Al Police Radio. I'm your host, Alpha Mike. And what are we going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the police car. Ford versus Dodge versus Chevy. What's coming in the future? And do we need to get all excited about what's coming in the future? On the next L Police Radio. talk about in this episode the police car episode number 36 you know gas prices are going up recent articles are saying that a barrel of crude oil is at 70 70 dollars a barrel so the price of oil is going up should that matter should we worry how far would it go up now we know that in today's police environment, police departments are quite frightened by the thought of doing an actual chase. So is the motor, the engine, the horsepower really that important, especially in city municipalities? And do I need to have a vehicle that has four-wheel drive or anything like that if I'm also a city municipality? Does the vehicle really depend on the terrain that it's going to be on? Well, logically, anybody would say yes. But what is the industry thinking about when it comes to in terms of police work? Ford, Dodge, Chevy, GM, they all have one goal in mind, and that is to build a police vehicle that agencies will buy but 18 to 20,000 agencies in America. Well, you can't really design a specific vehicle for one agency or one region and another type for another. Not very cost efficient in doing so. So as a result, they have a general look, different types of models, but it's generally the same for all jurisdictions. So what is the industry that thinks about the development of a police vehicle thinking about? Now, normally, at least what I've been seeing a little bit more of are the SUV types. And in police motor vehicles, 
there was a gap with the old Crown Victoria, and there was the big dilemma that if you hit the back of the back Vic Victoria in one in one era, it would blow up, and horrible tragedies did occur as a result of those things. And the car kind of dissipated and went away, and it left the police industry stunned. There was a little gap in that development that was quickly, the void was quickly filled by Dodge and its charger. And then slowly other uh, Ford and Chevy started following suit back into the industry. It is not a very cost-effective production for the big three in auto manufacturing. These are contracts that are kind of steady, bring steady amounts of money in, but they're not fuel efficient. They're demanding as far as horsepower and transmissions. The industry wants a vehicle that is going to give them a lot of durability for a long, long time. And that comes at a big price tag. So is that what the industry is thinking about? What the price tags are going to be? Are they really thinking about horsepower and transmissions that will work for the regular patrol officer? Well, I don't think so. I think what they're going to develop is what we're going to talk about today. Because a car is a car, and the feasibility of high-impact engines is almost out the window with you can't do a chase in nowadays society anyway. But we're going to mix all that up in a minute. But you know what we have to do now, right? We've got to do the L Police Radio News Countdown. That's right. Somebody wake up the bugler. We're going to get this ready. Where is he anyway? Oh, he comes later. Okay. All right, let's go. Let's go. One. Broward County officials are starting to admit certain details of the high school shooting. Broward County officials now admit Nicholas Cruz was assigned to the Promise School Lit Leniency Program. School officials, Broward County school officials in Florida are now admitting that and confess Parkland shooter Nicholas Cruz has been assigned to the Promise, an Obama area school discipline program that encouraged teachers and principals not to report threatening and assaultive behavior of minority students to law enforcement in order to appear non-discriminatory. <clears throat> so here's another program of the liberal left that has failed America. It failed because 17 young lives were taken because this program of leniency basically said not to report certain things. This individual had multiple encounters with law enforcement, and in this case, the Broward County Sheriff's Office. Compound that, if you, if you will, for a minute, and know that he was a part of this leniency program. Just imagine how many 
monstrosities this animal was doing, and they were not being reported. This is another indication of the wacky left and that liberalism is a mental disorder. You can't define the difference between evil and good. They are separate and apart. In similar situations we see in the Bible between light and darkness, there is no relationship. There is no relationship here either. We know, we understand that kids make mistakes, but they're dealt with in such a way that they have to enter sometimes a system and their parents have to really step up in order to correct the behavior. But when you see a pattern of mistakes, then that should be concerning to know that we have a real problem on our hands. Well, this system failed us. And it failed maybe purposely. I don't know. I'm not saying that this program was created to kill 17 kids, but it was created to cover up things. And we live in a society that we can't cover up error anymore. We have to stand firm against evil. And this is one of these programs which to me are truly, truly mind-boggling. Two. Another sad story coming out of Florida. Unfortunately, another law enforcement officer has been killed. And from Lake Placid, a Florida sheriff deputy died Monday afternoon, a day after being shot in the head while responding to a dispute over a cat, authorities said. The Highland County Sheriff's Office said in its Facebook post that the deputy, William Gentry, was critically wounded Sunday night while responding to a dispute between a neighbor over a cat that had been shot. Sheriff Paul Black, Blackman told reporters that after speaking with the cat's owner, Gentry approached the man suspected of shooting the cat, 69-year-old Joseph Edward Abels, at the Lake Placid front door. Blackman said Abels then shot Gentry in the head shortly before 8 p.m. Sunday. The 40-year-old deputy was airlifted to Fort Myers Hospital, and the suspect was arrested. You know, there's no words. There's no words. It's open season on law enforcement officers, and we as a society need to look at why this is happening. Very sad. It really is. Three. Another sad story, unfortunately, to report, as a result to 9-11, believe it or not. Retired NYPD officer dies of 9-11-related cancer. Mark J. Natal was a New York City police officer on September 11, 2001, when, he, when two commercial jet commandeered by terrorists were flown into the World Trade Center Twin Towers in Manhattan. Him and his partner, Michael Henry, officer in the, in the 94th Precinct, in Greenport, Brooklyn, helped us cover people fleeing Manhattan over bridges to Brooklyn on the ferries into New Jersey. They stood guard at the gate around Ground Zero. In the days that follow, Henry recalls the officer officers covered their faces, he said, with the mask worn by house painters. That, that's all they gave us. 
on Friday, Natal succumbed to brain cancer that had been certified as related to the exposure of ground zero toxins. He was 55 and died in hospice care at his South Huntington home, according to Henry. Another sad story to report. Unfortunately, the death toll to 9-11 continues, continues to grow. Now, we, before we get into the police car on episode 36, of course, all our news stories will be posted on lpoliceradio.com, and there you can see the show notes and read the articles that we basically touched upon. But before we get into the police car, I want to talk about on today's show, I'm going to talk about the 09 training tip, and I want to get into a specific subject, and that is equipment and police equipment. Um, not only will you hear it, but when you have time, you can go to lpoliceradio.com and look at the video that we're going to show you. And it's just to give you an illustration of what we're talking about. The police car has been used ever since probably the early 1900s when Henry Ford finally pulled out the first vehicle. And actually, the first vehicle would have been a horse. But today... Do we really need police vehicles that are muscle cars? You know, high-revved engines, super transmissions with coolants to, to cool the vehicle down. You know, muscle police cars, are they necessary? You know, today's police departments, they don't want to chase. You can follow. These are the little terms that they use because of litigation out there. Depending on the crime, there is that call whether there is anything that would resemble a chase would be called off. So you have to wonder these agencies that have a large amount of money in in these vehicles, they, their investment, it costs a lot of money to have them. Some agencies buy them, some agencies lease them but they have to have a cost associated with them. Usually, <clears throat> some agencies, there is a monthly stipend that has to be paid on these vehicles. When you're talking about a small agency, of course, the stipend is a lot less and it's not as large and it's a little bit more manageable. When you have a huge department of thousands, these vehicles <clears throat> most likely are on some type of lease program and the huge, huge amounts of money that they will cost. So agencies are always going to want to trim fat wherever they can. High-performance engines and transmissions come at a, a premium. That means they cost some extra money. And with the ever-ending competition between Chevy, Ford, and Dodge, they're really fighting for those extra dollars. And it has really nothing to do with vehicle as per se, per performance. They're all generally the same. One might outdo the other in a given area, such as braking or acceleration or so forth. But by and large, the money that they pay into these vehicles, 
they all pretty much give the same result. Now, maintenance is a very important factor in statistical gathering and that maintenance of specific vehicles help these agency heads make their decisions. But unfortunately, a lot of times these agencies make decisions of what type of vehicle they're going to purchase from what, what manufacturer, and they make commitments of five and 10 years. So if they get a bad product, which means they're always in the shop being repaired, their obligation might be a long-term one. Therefore, if you have plenty of lemons, you need to start making lemonade. Yeah. But the industry is not really, and when I say industry, I'm talking about the car industry. They're not here to invent a vehicle with five wheels or one that flies in the air because all those things would be counterproductive to making a profit. No, they're here to basically build the regular norm police vehicle with the specs that are almost expected by the industry in policing and trying to bring it down at a, at a cost in making so they make more sorry, of a profit. The number you have reached so the area that a lot of these agencies the are considering is more so in the area of gadgets. There's a lot of gadgets that can be really helpful and beneficial to police departments. Now, we're going to post the three major or the big three automakers, and we're going to kind of put on lpoliceradio.com on the show notes, we're going to put the type of vehicles that they offer. And when you look at Chevrolet, you, you notice that they're kind of offering a bigger package. They have the standard Impala that's there that's not really a big seller in the police world, at least for the Mark vehicle section. But on the Mark section or the Mark vehicle section, the Tahoe and the pickup truck are one that is emerging into the police law enforcement agencies. Why would they need such a vehicle that it's such so large and obviously consumes a lot of gas and fuel? Well, there is a lot of tactical advantage to having a vehicle such so large. One, your positioning. The officer is positioned much higher, so his visual is much better in scanning the area and especially looking into other vehicles because he's higher than those vehicles. So that's one thing that's very important. The other is confiscation of evidence and so forth. Sometimes they, they're bulk and they're heavy, and you have to bring them into the station. So you need a vehicle that can handle, let's say if it's a stolen police or stolen bicycle, you need to put that in the police car. Well, it's not going to fit in the truck very well. So when you, with an SUV or a pickup truck, that would suffice. Well, there should be a unit that does that. They go around picking up um, these types of evidence and bringing it into the station. But it's not cost effective to have an employee sitting around waiting to get a call to pick up evidence. So you'll notice on the Chevrolet aspect of General Motors, that's what the company's kind of pushing. We go to Dodge, and they're still pushing their charger. 
and they're telling us now that you can get a pretty good package with a V6. Now, those that are in law enforcement, they know about the Dodge Charger and they know about the V6. It's a tremendous disappointment to a lot of officers compared to the V8 and a lot of uh, state troopers or highway patrol have those big engines because they travel long distances and they speed is a more of essence. And when they come up with the V6, it's like a dud. It's, it's like a dud. It gives 18 in the city, 26 in the highway, according to 292 horsepower. Kind of standard. It doesn't really wow anybody wow. in any specific juncture. Then you look at Ford. Now, Ford's coming up with SUVs, and their uh, number one pickup, which is the F-150, that's on there too. And, of course, their Interceptor sedan that uh, they have had ever since the, the burying of the Crown Victoria, which was a huge showboat. And so here Ford is giving us a little bit more of a ver variety for agencies to pick on or pick from. So like I said in the open segment, there is nothing here really that you can say one company is outdoing the other. Sometimes it is a preference from the agency um, to pick a specific type of vehicle and a specific manufacturer because they've done very well with that manufacturer and they stand to get a considerable discount so they'll continue to purchase or lease through that manufacturer, which is understandable. Now, the police officers might have their opinions. We should be getting them. Why don't we have? And the other agency around the corner, they just purchased. Everybody's always looking at what the Joneses are doing and want, wants to keep up and do the same. But each geographical area is totally different than the next one. City policing is different from suburbs. And mountainous terrain is different from flat terrain or beaches or farmland. So therefore, they have to keep all that kind of um, in perspective, too, when they pick the vehicle that they're looking for. So we kind of here on El Police Radio, we came up with a kind of creative, what would, look, what would the futuristic car need and look for? Well, obviously, there's a big push to get away from gas and hybrids. Hybrids and policing have not gone very well hand in hand, we know. And we know that the industry is really not pushing hybrid police cars. And so that can't be it. We know that the V6, which is a smaller engine from the V8, really is a big sore thumb in the industry as well. And what you're saving on fuel is not much. So that can't be. Diesel has not really ever hit the market, only with larger law enforcement vehicles, but not the standard sedan. And, of course, depending on where you're from, there's a big, you can start a big debate over who does the best diesel engines. And so you can argue for days on that one subject alone. But a couple of the gadgets that came out 
several years ago, maybe about over close to 10 years ago, was the license plate identifier. Pretty much it looks like a strange contraption on the trunk of the police car. And as it drives, it scans multiple hundreds of license plates per minute and all this other fancy stuff and calculates it through the computer's data bank information of, and it looks for vehicles that have suspended uh, license plates or uh, reported stolen and so forth, or they're being looked, you know, police are looking for the vehicle. So that comes at a pretty big price tag, not as much as it did 10 years ago. But what's curious, and the reason I bring it up, that never became a standard package. In other words, police departments didn't say, well, what we're going to do is we're going to order 100 police cars, and we want 90 of those to have these license plate identifiers on them. No, it's just the opposite. You have 100 vehicles, maybe five have those license plate identifiers. And one of the reasons is cost. So the secondary market inside these police vehicles has not done very well in selling its product at a lower price to attract more inventory. That we know. But a a report that came out uh, just last year um, illustrates that the futuristic car may identify suspects just like the license plate identifier the this technology or this artificial intelligence type of technology could actually scan people in a specific community and face recognition and they might be looked for now i know that our liberal friends on the left are totally against this and the aclu is already starting its communist manifesto and trying to stop it. But I've always said that a person that has nothing to hide has nothing to fear. As a result, this camera type of system that they're going to use has a 360-degree camera, and it will scan. uh, It has up to six cameras on one vehicle, and it will scan looking for various identifying features, face-identifying features, in the public until it picks up on a specific subject that might have those recognitions zero in and try to identify the subject is. So the ACLU and the civil rights groups are going to have a field day on this with privacy issues. But how important would this be not only for international terrorism, but domestic as well? Is it coming? Eh, oh, it's coming. It's it's going to be thrown out there, and the Justice Department will create a grant to purchase them, and agencies will purchase them. Um, there's no doubt. And usually the, the loud, loudest big-mouth chiefs that are bleeding liberals and anti-guns are the first ones signing up to get this type of te- technology, believe it or not. But I believe it's going to come at a high cost. And as a result of that high cost, we won't see too much of it. And of course, we expect legal battles. But at the end of the day, as a citizen of the United States of America, your police agency and your local community that might purchase an artificial intelligence system like this for their police cars, 
Think about it. If it picks up one person wanted for a heinous crime in its society, it has paid dividends of whatever it cost. Civil libertarians will tell you one thing, and, of course, conservatives will say another. But for the victims of, the family victims, those artificial technologies will bank so much for them because they'll have that closure that they might need. <clears throat> so that type of equipment would be very satisfying. No doubt it's going to be interesting in the future how this is handled. There's always many hands in the pot. New technology like this is thinking out of the box. It's not standard thinking. And as a result, since it's thinking into the box, it costs money. And sometimes some of these agencies really don't want to spend the buck. Oh, yeah, we're going to see the, the big price tag agencies. They're going to buy them. L.A., New York City, they're going to buy them. They're going to, they're going to label it anti-terrorism, and they're going to go around and have fun all over the big cities nailing people left and right. But for small agencies, there might not be a big need for these things. So are we creating two types of law enforcement standard of equipment? So this is going to be interesting. It's going to have its turns, its ups, and its downs that we in the law enforcement community are going to have to start debating, not when it's done, prior to it being implemented. There are other things on the horizon for these futuristic cars, and all of them are going to be in, in self-driven is another one. You know, they're thinking about self-driven car. You put in a certain segment or sector, uh, and it drives around and it does recognitions of license plates and so forth and it looks for certain uh, criteria that's placed in its in its um, camera computer banks that um, might be a focus point individual running across the street camera might focus a little bit more on that person than a woman strolling with a baby carriage down the road that type of thing. That's coming too. And they'll have to weigh all that in. All these agencies will look at one guiding force that's in shambles. And that's the Department of Justice. God help us. You know, I love how civil libertarians, ACLU, they jump on this. They say it's wrong. Civil rights, civil rights, what are you doing? You can't just take pictures of people walking down the street. But what I've always thought fascinating, how come all these great ideas that law enforcement comes up with, they never give them to the corrections agencies to trial the run first? See, when you come on a compound, and that includes the parking lot, you're on prison or jail grounds. Everything changes because the Supreme Court has told us that security is paramount when it comes to prisons and jails. So these recognition systems and everything that's really being used by the outside civil police forces 
I just don't understand why they're not used by corrections first to weigh the legality and to weigh the efficiency before they go out and they buy all this stuff. Now, folks, it's time for the 09 Training Group. One of the things we want to talk about in the 09 training tip uh, on this segment, very important. On lpoliceradio.com, we're going to have a segment, and it's going to be videotaped as well. And we want you to look at it. It's an incident that occurred in, in Broward County, I believe it is. And it was a suspect that was pretty much, I'm going to give you a breakdown of the scenario, followed the suspect's vehicle. The suspect is under suspicion because he has what the police officer regards at the time as illegal tints. Follows him, he follows him a distance, and at the result of this follow, he stops him, takes him out of the vehicle, and he proceeds uh, during the traffic stop to take out his canine and search the outside perimeter of the vehicle. So far, we're so good. Really nothing out of the ordinary when it comes to police work on what I just uh, depicted. But what happens is, as the outside perimeter search is being conducted, and again, we're going to be posting this on lpoliceradio.com where you can see the video feed, kind of follow along what I'm talking about. But as the, the suspect is um, just finishing the, the round with the police uh, dog, as he comes to a conclusion, he yanks on the collar of the dog, and the suspect that he pulled over is take took out his phone and he's filming the officer. You would think that some point in a police officer's career, there would be some type of training on paying attention if you're being filmed with a cell phone, but I guess we're not that advanced yet. So he creates this yanking event, which looks pretty normal to the officer. Doesn't think anything no you know, uh, horrendous about it. But as a result, what occurs is that this individual that got pulled over, he places it on uh, Facebook or YouTube, one of those two, and he gets 350,000 hits. So people start calling the police uh, department, complaining, screaming, talking about, we, we want your firstborn Frankenstein, Frankenstein. And now the officer suspended, has been removed from the canine unit until the investigation is concluded. But I'm not here to talk to you in the training tip about the dog and the outside perimeter and the traffic stop. I'm here specifically to talk about equipment. The dog, even though it, it breathes and it's alive, I understand that, is a piece of equipment that has been purchased at a great expense to that police agency. When you, the officer, assigned any specific piece of equipment, it's your duty to not only use 
the equipment properly to have it readily available at all times. You see, the mishandling of equipment should be enough to get you in some deep trouble. Of course, if you're being filmed by the community, well, you're kind of telling on yourself. Now, when I look at this video, it just tells me one big detail. There is a problem that the handler is having with the specific dog and a specific behavior trait, and it's frustrating the officer, so he yanked on the leash. How long has it been going? Who knows? Could it be corrected? Who knows? But again, the responsibility falls on the given officer because that's a piece of equipment that you need to know how to use it. You have to have it at the availability at all times. And when it malfunctions, regardless of what it is, whether it's a dog, a gun, a taser, or what have you, you need to report it to your immediate supervisor because it needs to be corrected immediately. And it might be advanced training. It might be reissue of the equipment. It might be a lot of things. But not telling the agency that there's a problem, you fall in a vicarious liability because now you're placed that liability on yourself. So don't forget the training tip. You get suited up, make sure everything's in working order. Now, folks, it's time to hop on to talk about the word. Before you were created, God knew who you were. When you were in your mother's womb, he knew of you. Whatever profession he gave you in law enforcement, you were chosen. And as I said in many other podcasts, Romans chapter 13 depicts and talks about the authority that God has granted. So imagine, you didn't only get chosen by the agency, you didn't get only sworn in by the agency chief or director or sheriff. You did not only go through the academy to be selected, to be hired, or, or to go on to become a police officer. No, you were selected way before for a given purpose. Imagine the authority that was given to you, and by whom was it given? Many say, well, I work for the city of, county of, state of, federal government. I don't work for anything else. That's not true. If you're in a position of authority, you're working for God. He's putting those events in front of you every day of your life, for you can be the catalyst of change. No, it doesn't mean that you're going to be a social worker. It means that your conduct and how you help them in this troubled time goes a long way in a great testimony. We've talked about this in the past, 
But the reason we're talking about it again is because there continues to be mistakes being made by law enforcement officials out in the street that are being filmed. We don't want you as law enforcement officers to hesitate. We want you to act. But you need to know how to act like second nature, just like a judoka, a judoka in the middle of a match. He knows when to move to take down the opponent. Or when one that practices jujitsu, that individual knows when to apply the hold. There is no second guessing, there's no hesitation. They capitalize on the moment. Or like a karateka, when it's time to deliver that devastating kick or punch, it's done with efficiency and speed at that specific moment that it needs to be done. So you need to act specifically, not have hesitation. But remember that your honor and your testimony is and will be before you how you deal with this event. That in itself is stressful. I understand. I've been there. But it won't make or break you. We all have made errors. It's how we get up from the mistakes that we make to to continue in our journey. You can do so much good to so many people with your authority that God has blessed you to have. How did God bless you to have it? He gave you a sound mind and a sound body. He perfected you for that moment that when you applied, you gleamed. He passed you through the academy, and he prepared you for the day and the moment that you live in today. For what? For his purpose. And that is the most important value that we can ever have from God that knows that he has picked us to carry out his will. What's up next? Well, we're up to, up next is episode 37. 37 is we're moving along and coming to a conclusion in the month of May, we have Park Police. That's right. Parks have police now. And they've always had. How long have they had it? Why do they have it? Are they important? Can we do without them? Where in the world did the idea to have police in a park come from? Is it all over or is it segregated in certain sections? We're going to look at that and other things. Our June lineup is the following. Flint. Liberalism is a mental disorder. How to apply. You want to be a police officer? We're going to talk about how you should apply. The policy. Another show that's coming up in June. The policy. The importance of policy. Who's writing policy? What are they getting their ideas for policy? We're going to look at that. And the last show in June... That's our upcoming month. Money is the root of all evil. Nautical. That's right. Not the show. Just the episode. 
and that will be episode 41. We're coming closer and closer to our year anniversary, and that excites us. We continue to send out content. How do you get in touch with us? Let's see if you remember the quiz. If you remember, raise your hands, kids. One, two, one, three, four. I got a couple of hands up. Okay. That's right. You go to lpoliceradio.com. You scroll all the way to the bottom, and, and those icons pop up. And you can connect with us. And as a result that you connect with us, then we can dialogue on what you want to hear, and we'll produce that content. What we do on El Police Radio is we produce library content of information. We keep on throwing it out there. We are a podcast that we talk about the law enforcement circles, from shoes to hardware to attitude. We talk about the law enforcement mindset in America. Now, I know that there are experts out there, and the reason I know, I see them on Facebook. They know everything. They can look at a a use of force feed, and five seconds into it, they can make a decision, whether it was right or wrong. They have such experience in their career that with a moment's notice, they know what the difference between right and wrong is in a specific event. But they only had a desk job. Imagine if they were really out in the street or work in the corridors of the jail. They would be something else. We also know that those experts don't take criticism very well. If they look at a, a video feed, and five seconds into the video feed, they've made their decision that's a good use of force and don't give me any nonsense. If you have a different opinion, it won't go well for you. Criticism in the law enforcement circles will not be tolerated at any level. No, 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 no. Don't talk back. Don't know everything. And more importantly, these individuals, they're so smart. Sometimes they're too smart for their own good. So what we're going to look into these futuristic episodes, well, we're going to talk about all these scenarios and all this equipment and all these issues that engulf police corrections, investigations. Look at uh, Parkland in the high school shooting. More and more is, is coming out, trickling out very slowly. But what is it? If we look at Parkland, we look at a huge amounts of deficiency on the liberal left and programs and things that have been created to protect juveniles. And then we, we look at other issues, um, police officers that were not really carrying out full details of their duties and how school security just failed, failed miserably. And the school board failed as well. But they're not being highlighted as much as the infamous and evil AR-15. It's easy to blame the tool, but not the tool master. And that's the problem with our society today. I am saddened every time I see another law enforcement officer has been killed like an animal. They kill them. They don't care. 
There is no fear of police anymore. It's being eroded slowly. This is not something that started yesterday. It has been ongoing for many years. The disrespect of authority and the disobedience has emerged to humongous elevations. The Bible tells us in the last days what things will look like. Look around. A police officer arrives to a scene to talk about the death of a cat. And when he approaches the subject in his home, this mental retard pulls out a gun and kills the cop, shoots him in the head. Are we, have we reached those times? I would say. Are we going to see more horrible crimes in this? You bet we will. So we need to be prepared for worse days, not better. On our closing segment of the police car, so much has been weighed on military vehicles and its police use. I know the prior president wrote an executive order saying that police or military-type vehicles for police use would not be tolerated and will not be allowed. The current president signed his executive order allowing it. I can tell you from my experiences that having resources that no one else can have comes at tremendous benefit to that agency. You see, if you've got a regular gun, then the bad guy's got a regular gun. But if you have a gun that's superior that the bad guy wouldn't have, then you're probably going to win the fight. If you have a superior vehicle or an armor-plated vehicle, just imagine that crazy person with an automatic rifle, automatic uh, machine gun, shooting away like we saw over 25 or 30 years ago in Los Angeles in the bank robbery. Police officers didn't have the equipment to fight back. They literally had to go to a gun store and get them because they didn't have them at that time. Change policing forever to kill the bad guys. So for police work to be ahead of the game, it needs these tools and resources, even if it doesn't use them. But it needs to have them. And we all know the, the, the adage of that, better to have it and not want it and all that baloney. But the bottom line is, in today's society, we need it. God has blessed us in this country that we haven't had savage terrorism in the streets. Yes, we've had incidents. Yes, yes, yes. But just imagine a country without a God. How much more would happen? Those times may come. It's up to us to be mindful that they're going to come and be prepared and be ready for them. The liberal left will fight us at every corner. From the advanced police car that does face recognition to the automatic AR-15 or 
the submachine gun or whatever they whatever media term they're using nowadays. You know, the evil silencer. Oh, why would you want a silencer? And all this other baloney. It is liberalism's way of eroding away on law enforcement one agency at a time. What do we do on this show? Well, it's simple. We educate the listener so they can see coming the liberal, wacky left heading towards the community near them. Yes, it's the person with the green barrette, unshaven, wacky ideas. They come in, they sound nice. Free school for everybody. Free lunch program for everybody. Then the ideas get more and more wackier. Like, you can have a safe space so you can shoot up heroin. Police won't do anything. That's happening now in New York City. The wacky left. It's an example. It's time to take back your community, your local community, one person at a time through the power of voting. Get rid of these goofs that are wacky leftists. All they're going to do is appoint a wacky leftist police chief. And you're going to start seeing your community erode to nothing. How? Simple ordinances will not be enforced. This is why in areas like in San Francisco, the homeless are running wild all over the downtown area from urinating in the public, aggressive panhandling, and just lowering their pants and defecating right there on the sidewalk. Ah, broad daylight. Nothing's done. Those simple enforcement rules have decayed that society one incident at a time. Throw and roll back the clock. Imagine police work from the 1950s dealing with that type of mentality today in San Francisco. How will they deal with it? You wouldn't see any feces in the sidewalk then. Folks, it's been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on L Police Radio. Be safe. Be blessed. Police